I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Coronavirus in Florida, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. This episode was released on Tuesday, May 26. I'm Allison Graves. Today, life during a pandemic. For this episode, we asked five Tampa Bay Times journalists to tell us their stories of life during the coronavirus pandemic. Our journalists are just like you. They are mothers, fathers, and children, and more likely than not, you'll relate to their experiences. And just a heads up, The journalists featured in this episode recorded their audio at their homes on their phones, which explains why each clip might sound a little different. Anyways, let's jump right into it. Here are their stories. Hi, my name is Stephanie Hayes, and I'm a columnist at the Tampa Bay Times, and I'll be reading my essay, Chasing Moments of Beauty in the Time of Coronavirus. We heard the sound above the din of cartoons. Was that? It couldn't be. I moved a curtain to the side. Indeed, a real ice cream truck was heading down our street on a Friday afternoon. Not the kind of hip city truck that goes to food truck rallies. The kind of beat up white truck with strawberry shortcake bars papering the side. All corn syrup and sticky summer memories. Should we chase it? My stepdaughter asked. Nah. Mostly, we were overrun with sweets. We had just stress-baked an entire berry pie and a platter of cookies. The freezer was full of ice cream, which I had bought to top off the warm baked goods when we ate ourselves sick as a new and exciting hobby. More truthfully, I didn't want us grabbing SpongeBob Pops off a truck of unknown provenance because I'm suspicious of everything, and I hate it. I was never this way before. I pictured the coronavirus traveling from the yellow surface of the bag to our mouths, to our throats, to our lungs, enveloping us like an eager, evil ivy. Then the truck was gone. Regret set in. The driver would have been a great interview. We could have discussed how ice cream trucks were the original curbside delivery, to go before to go existed. I could have photographed the cold and creamy hero leaning out the window, surrounded by a frozen rainbow of purity. The days are so long. The moments of beauty are so fleeting. There are times I'm completely overwhelmed by this house. We are Luke, Leia, and Han in the trash compactor, 
waiting for a droid to shut down the crushing walls. There are times I'm so grateful for this house. So many do not have so much. There are times I'm racked with grief for the world, with anger, with fear. And there are times I'm so overcome with joy, it's painful. Sitting on the stoop watching my family play catch, having a squirt gun fight in the yard, eating dinner on the porch, not saying much of anything. The happiness is in stark relief when the canvas never seems to change. The sun still goes up and down. People are parking their cars along the street now just to watch it happen. When we walk in the evenings, they shout from open windows. Isn't it a beautiful night? They wave, they smile. There's a desperation to it. We spent the rest of the weekend with a plan. When the truck came back, because of course it would, the kid would take off like a rocket pop and stop it. I peered out the window at least 10 times. Maybe I missed it in the shower. Maybe the TV was too loud. Maybe the truck driver gave up because no one trusts anything. Or maybe he found a better street. Maybe the beauty was still out there. We scooped our own ice cream and ate it in heaping spoonfuls. This is Jay Cribblin. I'm the entertainment critic for the Tampa Bay Times. A few weeks ago, it rained for the first time in a while, and it washed away all of the sidewalk chalk art my family had created during the pandemic. I wrote this piece about that. Just past our front steps at Chewbacca, Baby Yoda, and a Porg. Down the sidewalk to the left, an Ewok. To the right, my three-year-old son's stuffed tigers, Bobby and Tony. Between them, my wife and seven-year-old daughter had chalked out messages for our neighbors. Wash hands, hug your pets, take lots of walks. May the force be with you. For the month we've been in quarantine, our corner lot has been our canvas, a dozen squares of sidewalk chalked up for our neighbors and ourselves. We're hardly alone. Sidewalk chalk drawings have helped spread cheer and, let's face it, pass time for families socially distancing across Tampa Bay. And within about 24 hours on Wednesday and Thursday, rainy weather had wiped them all clean. It often feels like time has stopped during the coronavirus pandemic. No one knows what day it is, what week it is, when work and school are supposed to begin and end. The lack of recent rain might have something to do with that. See, chalk art is meant to be ephemeral. No one's preserving their kids' unicorns and daisies beneath plexiglass. It's there for a few days and then comes a cloudburst, and if you didn't take a picture, it's gone forever. But with no steady rain for weeks, the drawings have lingered and lingered and lingered. They felt almost permanent. They might as well have been Banksy's. Violet Larson, seven, has been writing chalk messages with her mother, Dawn, and two-year-old sister, Nora, along the Pinellas Trail, which runs by their home in Largo. Good job. Keep going. Keep an eye out for drawings. As she doodled a lavender, mint, and raspberry ice cream cone on her front porch Thursday morning, Violet said the rain outside made her feel good and not good. On one hand, the stuff that I really liked, I drew, got washed away, and I can never see it again, she said. On the other... That gives me more space to draw my next things that I want to draw. The messages scribbled by Rachel Hart and her daughters Harper, Six, and Rory, Four, outside their Palm Harbor home. Be strong, be kind, even the darkest night will end and the sun will rise, actually have inspired their neighbors. One gave them a new box of chalk and wrote a note to say thanks. I saw your artwork while out on a run, the note read. 
I snapped a picture and sent it to a friend who's having a tough time. She said it made her day. When they walked out and saw the rain on Thursday, Harper and Rory screamed. But then they said, we have a blank canvas, Hart said. So it is on our street. Chewie's gone and so are Bobby and Tony. We can only pray our neighbors will remember to keep washing their hands and hugging their pets without our friendly notes. But my daughter isn't sad her work has trickled down the drain. Not in the least. I like to think positive about it, she said. We have more sidewalk to do more creations. When it dries, she wants to go out and make a rainbow. Hi, my name is Ellen Clark and I'm the deputy editor for Life and Culture at the Tampa Bay Times. I'm reading to you from an April column I wrote about working from home and being teacher to my kindergarten age son. Here we go. A couple of weeks ago, on the first official day of work from home, it was also my five-year-old son's first day of learning from home. I was leading a new team of journalists and suddenly also a kindergarten teacher. I told my super smart and super uninterested little dude that the first rule of mommy school was don't be an a-hole while mommy's on a conference call. I then told him that A is for aardvark, but I'm not sure he bothered. What follows is the chronicle of the first two weeks as recorded by my social media venting, texts to my public servant husband, who still has to go to work every day, and messages to friends. Day one. He slept until nearly noon and woke up cranky. Being a five-year-old teenager is exhausting work. My boss encourages me to write a column about working from home and parenting since so many are living through it. I saw her message right after I heard the keyboard tapping and found him writing LOLOL poo in the coronavirus breaking channel on the newsroom slack. There may be material here. Day two. He's up at 11. He negotiates for 30 minutes of Minecraft videos for every block of schoolwork accomplished. This works well for my meeting schedule. During our evening walk, he shows me how much the coronavirus is weighing on his mind by asking me to buy him something after the virus is gone. Day three, we continue our routine of doing his school enrichment work with videos after he rolls out of bed, setting alarms on our Amazon dot to keep us honest. In reality, he asks for 10 more minutes every time and I give him 20 so I can finish editing a story. Later in the day, I ask one of my reporters not to go to a strip club for journalism. It's a story that can be reported remotely. As I relate this story to my husband in the evening, the kid asks, what kind of club? Day four, he wakes at nine, also the time of the daily morning news meeting, and I'm devastated to consider that this might be a new trend. My dude emerges during another meeting at 11 and says, mom, I heard little voices, and then makes a video appearance on demand. He meows at the colleagues who wanted to see him. He rises at 10 the next day, and we take our only car ride of the week to pick up a pantry box from the local coffee shop and a Lego toy from the Target drive-up. I am horrified that Target still wants me to sign their little device, and I Clorox wipe the bag before handing it back. The little mister spends a solid two hours building the Lego dino, and I work uninterrupted the whole time. Miracles do happen. The weekend is nice. We clean out closets. We wonder if the people still want donated bedding in the now. Day six. This is the first day of real lessons from school, though all can be done at the kid's own pace. 
There are virtual classrooms in Microsoft Teams for his kindergarten class, his art class, music class, gifted class, physical education. I am overwhelmed and he is, you know, five. It is also a very hard day at work as the Tampa Bay Times announced that the pandemic has forced us to shift to a Sunday and Wednesday print schedule and that many of our colleagues in the other departments will be furloughed for eight weeks. If you have ever tried to lead a crisis management team meeting via video conference while your child bounces on a BOSU ball behind you singing, this is the news, well, good for you. This is also the day that schools were officially closed until May 1. Everything was bad, but this is the first time I cry. Day seven, he has a tougher workload, but manages it better. I share with my colleagues his PE lesson, which has you spell your name with an exercise assigned to each letter. I did it with him, which was oddly cathartic, despite having to bear crawl twice. His writing assignment is to make a sentence with an et word. He scrawls, are we done yet? Bedtime has stretched later as he sleeps in, which has been a lifesaver. But tonight's late night soul searching is about what's real in the world. He has some thoughts about the Easter Bunny and Santa. Day eight, hardest workload yet, but he's been doing the computer requirements solo like a champ. He's also paying more attention to my meetings and it's leading to more interesting conversations. I end another call and yell across the house, you're putting clothes on today. He does not. During his science lesson, he explains to me that the pupa stage of a butterfly's life cycle is named such because it's like the butterfly gets pooped out of the cocoon. I decide this is fine. Day nine. He demands chocolate pudding and bacon for breakfast. I decide this is fine too. As I walk across the house, I briefly lose connectivity for, during a team meeting with my department because I realize that it has been an hour and I've not heard a peep. Thank you, Minecraft Legos, for keeping my child so happy. Thank you. Day 10. My son alternates wildly between being a pure joy and a complete pill. I have to end a call because I was pacing and he tickle attacked me. During an afternoon meeting, I set him up to write his sentences with sight words. He is particularly vexed by the fact that another editor sounds as though he's in a tunnel and tells me that I'm making it hard for him to work. I volunteer to take a Sunday editing shift for the next few weeks so I can give my son my full attention on Fridays, at least. This life is hard. My name is Paul Guzzo. I'm a reporter with the Tampa Bay Times, and this is what it's been like to be a father in quarantine. Hey dad, why don't you ever cry? The backseat question from my eight-year-old son caught me off guard. What does he mean, I wonder? I'm a total crier. Such a crier that my wife mocks me for it. Then. I realized why he asked. Just moments earlier, he had his first quarantine meltdown. The tight and tiny ball of angst inside of him exploded into a tearless fit of rage. I dragged him from the house and into my car for what I hoped would be a soothing drive. Do you want to cry, I asked, 
He replies by weeping nonstop for the next 30 minutes. I hate your stupid quarantine memes. The ones that tell us that soldiers died during World War II and Anne Frank hid in an attic for two years so we can at least sit on our butts and binge watch. I don't hate the premise. I agree that, compared to those instances, this is a walk in the park, or at least was before all the parks in Hillsborough County were closed. It is who shares those memes that bugs me. On my Facebook feed, they are posted by people with no kids. Newsflash. Families with kids, especially those with multiples, don't have time to binge watch shows. I have four kids, so this time in isolation is not that easy for us. I wake at 5 a.m. so I can get the bulk of my writing done by 9 when I start helping the 8-year-old with virtual school. Then... I fine-tune my work in between walking him through assignments for the next few hours. My wife takes breaks from virtual teaching to check in on the older two kids, who are self-sufficient. At 5 p.m., one of us helps the six-year-old with her virtual schoolwork, while the other one cleans the house and prepares dinner. Next comes a family walk around the neighborhood, showers, and bed. There is no binge-watching. It is exhausting. Still, it went smoothly for the first few weeks. Everyone seemed to be handling self-isolation. Then came my eight-year-old's meltdown. I can't remember what triggered it, but it was trivial. I tried to approach it in my usual disciplinarian way, but that only made it worse. After the half-hour cry in my car, my son was calm enough to return home to play cards with his siblings. A second meltdown came less than 24 hours later, again in reaction to something small. I lost my cool and screamed for him to stop tantruming like a toddler. He ran to his room to hide. You know that meme that says quarantine parents will now realize they raised brats? I hate that one too. My son is not a brat. He is neither spoiled nor entitled. He is a kid who knows his world has changed for a tragic reason. Still, it is tough for him to accept that there is no Little League or karate class. He misses his friends. He misses the skate park and the simple joy of playing sweaty, dirty games of tag with neighborhood kids. I have two pre-quarantine memories that I just can't shake. When I took my daughters to their school's daddy-daughter dance, my six-year-old had seen her best friend just hours earlier yet they ran to each other and joyfully embraced as though it had been years. My eight-year-old was awarded the game ball by his Little League coach a few days later. It was the last game before the season was suspended. Now I wonder, when will his next Little League game happen? And will I let my daughter hug her friend when they finally see each other again? My eight-year-old is right. He's never seen me cry, even though I am a crier. I'm an emotional guy. If I am angry, stay out of my way. If I am happy, I am a joy to be around. If I am sad, the waterworks are a moment away. There are few things harder on a parent than seeing your kid hurt emotionally, but I always hold it together in front of my children. I want to instill confidence in them that everything is okay. Maybe that is not always the right reaction. I checked on my son after his second meltdown. He was curled up on his bedroom floor.
holding that game ball. So I curled up next to him and I wept with him. Moments later, he stopped. This is not as easy as your meme promises it should be. Hi, this is Justine Griffin, the health reporter with the Tampa Bay Times, and I'm going to read a column I wrote in April about my dad. I grew up inside St. Angelo's Pizza in Newport Ritchie. It's the business my dad started when he was in his 20s and looking for a change from the bitter winters of Buffalo, New York. Fast forward 40 years and the restaurant with the original chicken wings sign out front on the corner of Madison Avenue and State Road 54 is still the first place I drive to when I want to see my dad. His business has weathered many hurricanes, often feeding neighbors for days in the aftermath when no one else has power or AC. He survived the 2008 recession and slow changes to the West Pasco neighborhood as growth shifted to the eastern end of the county, like Trinity and Wesley Chapel. But as we read the headlines every day, announcing new limitations and shutdowns on businesses related to the coronavirus pandemic, I fear for him and his livelihood. My dad, Brian Griffin, is old school. Everything about his business is still written down on takeout slips and scratched into notebooks. He got his first iPhone just last year. He still doesn't know how to send a text. Dad has mastered how to capture and upload a photo though. He regula regularly updates the San Angelo's Pizza Facebook page with an image of handwritten messages he's scribbled on a whiteboard. I think his social media strategy is quite charming. Small businesses across Tampa Bay are caught up in the unknown of what tomorrow or next week or next month or the next six months will bring. Service workers are being laid off in all counties at a time when they're being told to stay home instead of hitting the streets to find a new source of income. It's hard for me to watch my dad worry. He delayed his retirement to pay for my wedding. He's the hardest working man I know and he instilled those values in me. Dad would hand deliver me homemade lunch when I was in elementary school. He never forgot a side of black olives, my favorite snack. Once I got to high school, I wasn't only his daughter, but also his employee. I graduated from answering phones and jotting down delivery orders to being a waitress. I loathed it and once begged my dad to let me quit so I could get a job next door at Publix. He wouldn't let me. His defense was, you're going to do this job now, so you'll go to college and you won't have to do it anymore. Those waitressing skills kept cash in my pocket throughout my college years. On March 20th, the day Governor Ron DeSantis ordered restaurants statewide to offer takeout and delivery only, I made the familiar drive to my home from my home in St. Petersburg to see my dad. I found him standing next to the old pizza oven. He had flour in his long hair and in his beard, and there were three pies about to go in for baking. The dining room was dark. The chairs were stacked upside down on the tables, but the phones were buzzing. I took a pizza and delivered it nearby. People lined up at the takeout counter to place orders. Many addressed my dad by a nickname reserved only for close friends, Griff. As he cashed out one man in his 20s, my dad told him to say hello to his parents for him. He joked with a mom who preferred to stand in the lobby near the hot kitchen than sit in her minivan with her husband and kids. They'll be home for who knows how much longer. I could use a break, she joked. 
My dad thanked everyone who came in that day for their business, like he always does. But on that Friday, amid the growing chaos of the coronavirus pandemic, I know their support meant even more. Okay, that does it, folks. If you want to read more perspectives like this, then you're in luck. The stories you just heard are part of a project the Tampa Bay Times recently published known as The Scrapbook. For the last month and a half, reporters at the Times have been collecting your stories, photos, videos, and moments to illustrate what it's like to be alive during a pandemic. To see the full project, you can visit tampabay.com. And as this bizarre chapter continues, our scrapbook will keep growing. So please send bits and pieces of your life to scrapbook at tampabay.com. This has been Coronavirus in Florida. Thanks for listening. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.